when you try to do a great job for great people, great things will happen. And that's what it was. We had an intern class of 15, my first internship. So how was I ever going to stand out? I just tried to narrow that overwhelming thought process and just go to work every day. If you're not truly thankful, if you're not truly humble, if you're not truly starving to ask questions and get better, it's going to be a long road because there's a lot of people that can help you that won't if you're not humble and if you don't care and if you're late, all that stuff that I always talk about. It's so true because you're not going to get anywhere if you're not willing to sacrifice for it. Welcome to Rise and Lead. I'm Benjamin Lundquist, and this podcast is all about personal growth and leadership. Thank you for listening and for being a part of our Rise and Lead community. We are a community of leaders who are passionate about growth, leadership, and expanding our impact on the world. My guest today is Louis Kerala. He is the head strength and conditioning coach for football at Georgia Tech. Together, we talk about Lewis's story and the high level of stress and expectations of coaching Division I college football. And we talk about failure, setbacks, breakthroughs, knowing your why, family balance, leadership, and the most important message Lewis wants to share with the world. This episode is worth the 30 minutes. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. If you have been listening for a while, you know how much I appreciate you. The Rise and Lead podcast is designed specifically to motivate and equip you to live your greatest life with maximum impact. We are going to find out what makes great leaders great and how you can start growing yourself, rise, expanding your impact, lead, and living the life you have been created to live. I want to personally invite you to be a Rise and Lead partner in spreading the word about this podcast and all the episodes that will follow so together we can reach more people. Your input, ratings, reviews, and shares helps our team to continue creating a better podcast to serve great leaders like you. Remember to subscribe to the podcast, rate the podcast. I'm always going for a five-star rating. Leave a written review if you haven't done that already, and thank you for that in advance. And finally, share about Rise and Lead with your family, your friends, and your social media network. Screenshot this episode with Lewis and send it to someone or text somebody the episode link. You are helping people rise to their next level by connecting them to an episode. And when you share about the podcast on your social media platforms, Make sure you tag me, and I will always try and give you a repost. I like to start each episode with prayer, so let's pray together. God, use Lewis's story to inspire and equip us to lead better, overcome obstacles, and get back up when life knocks us down. Thank you that we aren't leading alone. If there are any listeners who are discouraged, beat down, or burned out, I pray for your strength and blessing on their life and family. Amen. This is such a great conversation with Lewis. 
Again, he's the head strength and conditioning coach for Georgia Tech football, and he starts off our conversation talking about his story. Let's jump in. You know, I started as an intern in South Florida when I was, you know, still playing college football in Ohio, and I did an internship for free that summer because I'm from Tampa, and I was working out to go back to my school to play. So I was doing all their workouts with the Division One team that summer, going back to my little D3 school to play football. So I thought that was pretty cool. It kind of got my interest. I thought that would be something I wanted to do. And then the next summer before my senior year, I, I moved up to Virginia and did a free internship there for the summer. And that really took my career to another level because that guy that I met at Virginia ended up being the guy that took me to Mississippi State to be his GA. So I got my master's paid for. I ended up being his assistant, also full-time job. And, you know, I had three assistant jobs before I became a head strength coach at North Texas. And then my first year as a head strength coach, I was fired after 11 months because we lost too many games. And then, you know, we're pregnant at that time. My wife, you know, we're due and the health insurance is about to cut off. And, you know, it's a scary time. And luckily, I got another head job at Louisiana Lafayette. And then we were fired two years later, didn't win enough games. And, you know, at that point, it was like, what are we doing? You know, no, this is kind of getting silly. We're moving everywhere for what? No one's loyal back to you. You know, I love this stuff, but man, this is getting old. So Buffalo was like kind of my last straw of trying it out. I got a head job, thankfully, and I was so thankful for that opportunity. But, you know, moving your family from Louisiana to Buffalo, you know, not very easy. But that year, I was named National Strength Coach of the Year. You know, after being fired twice mm -hmm. and like in tears and, and a lot of adversity, a lot of life changes, a lot of things happened where you were doubting stuff. And I just, the one thing I never doubted was the way I was going about my work. And I, I wasn't in control of why I got let go, but I was in control of the impact I was trying to make on kids. And something happened that year where maybe I passed the test or something, but I just felt like it all clicked. And then that following year, I got a call from Georgia Tech. How, how did you go about, you know, getting fired and just not giving up on your dream of really moving up in your, your influence and position in coaching? I just believed in my heart that I'm supposed to be doing this. Like, I, I really feel like, like I'm supposed to be in charge of a, of a strength program somewhere. And it's just all the sacrifice that I've, I've made to that point to try to get to that point. That's what keeps you burning. That, that's what keeps your fire in your heart. Like you got so much invested in it. There's so much things that people don't see you do, but you know you did them. And, and that means a lot more to you than maybe some other people telling you to get out of it. So yeah, it was really hard, but I really think the, the part of failure that to me, it ends up always being positive because you have so much more to give to people at the end of it. Like I have timeless values now in my heart to give to this team I'm working with every day. And no matter what team I'm with, it's coming out. The mistakes I've made, the upsets that I've had, the everything I share with the team and I try to get them ahead in their life. You know, how do you help players that don't have a fire or know what that fire is? How do you help them kind of identify that? Well, so before I ever coach kids, I interview them and like, I'll, I'll ask them the most basic questions you can ask someone, but you'd be surprised how much they give you on those simple questions. They go deep. You know, I'll ask them about the tattoos they have on their arms and, and who's the most important person to them and why. And 
you know, all this stuff that just gives me a kind of a base of understanding what they really want and what they've been through to even be here. So when it comes down to it, like when I see body language change or when I see effort start to drip, I call it out and I remind them of what they told me. You know, I, I, I got so much that I would never know if I never asked it for them now so I can hold them accountable. And people forget what they say because it doesn't end up being exciting all the time. You know, they forget what they write their goals down. They forget what they were going for. They forget why they're doing it. And I am that guy to always remind them of their why. And I think that's why I love this job so much. It's because, man, this time of life right now that these kids are in, stressful, you know, hard. You go through a lot with your family. You go through a lot with your mindset of what you want to do one day. So, you know, I wish I had someone trying to guide me on perspective and just trying to impact my life in a positive way. What would you say, Lewis? What is it that you wish all athletes and leaders knew about themselves that they often don't see? Just their potential. I mean, it's so easy to get caught up in like an empty promise of people recruiting you and like just, you know, you're handed all this fluff before you get to a place and have told how good you are and told how good you are. And you are really good. But like, as soon as you get up to this level, you're a dime a dozen. I don't care who you are. You got to play monsters every week. And even on your own team, you got to win a position that's stacked of kids from every area in this country that were the best where they were. So how, how is a kid going to go from hearing how great he is his entire life almost into an environment where you're hearing, I got to work hard. I got to outcompete people. I got to be disciplined and accountable and I got to be a good teammate. That's like foreign language now to a lot of kids. So that's where I come in. I always tell the guys, if my job was just to get you stronger and faster, I would not be doing this job because the platform here in this avenue, it's so much bigger than lifting weights. It's just teaching them all about those roadblocks coming their way. Is there anything key that you've learned in helping your athletes break through mental barriers? Like, you know, you train an athlete into a point and maybe they have the, they got the physical potential and ability, but they just have a mental roadblock. How do you help them overcome what's holding them back mentally? So like, I always hold myself to a pretty high standard with the physical side of things. Like I'm not the biggest guy, you know, I'm actually a lot smaller than a lot of these guys, but I do all their workouts before they do them. You know, every workout that they've ever had here, I've done before they arrive. Mm. And not because that's just pound my chest or something. I know when they're about to hit the wall. Like I, I felt it this morning. I know exactly how that just felt. So when a kid starts giving in, I have much more power now to coach him through it. And he believes me because I did it. That's so important and overlooked in any field. If you're going to talk it, you better be doing it too. Don't just yell at kids because they can't get something done that you can never do yourself. That's what I hang my hat on. So I think that's what helps me the most break through with kids. But what is it that makes you so effective at what you do? I think the mixture of having fun and working really hard and being serious. I know these kids didn't come here to lift weights. That's not what their thought was when they signed the letter of intent. So my job is to make them absolutely love this weight room. You know, I think being creative is obviously one of my strengths that I really try to put effort into. Never letting them know what's coming the next day. They, they, yeah, they might know we, we lift, but 
They don't know what exercises. They don't know how we're doing it. They don't know what kind of curveball I got planned. And, you know, the music we listen to is hilarious at times. Like, I'll play the most wildest music you've ever heard. And everyone's smiling, having a good time, but they're also working. And I can laugh with all of them. I almost have an inside joke with almost every kid. But at the same time, I can get on any kid at any point and give them tough love too. And I think that's, if I had to pick one, I, I guess that's where I would separate. But how, how have you grown in your own leadership since coming to Georgia Tech? I've learned a lot through the different years that we've had here. Like It's been a big challenge of the triple option system for 11 years here, changing that into a more of a pro-style offense and catching up to these Clemsons and North Carolinas that we got to play. So we were undersized, you know, by far. So I would say like year one has a different impact on year two because year two was COVID for us. And then last year was kind of, you know, I learned a lot, I guess, leadership wise was getting out of my comfort zone during COVID. And that's probably how we know each other right now. Because if you would have told me I would be walking around my neighborhood filming myself, giving a message to the world and tweeting yep. it. <laughs> I, would, I was never that guy. I could never even think to do that, but I did. And it was uncomfortable. But, and then I started realizing like, you know, a lot of people are in need of these messages too. And it's not just the football players. So, you know, I learned that way. And then um, I also learned a lot with no matter how invested you are in, in your kids' lives, like your, your family, you're going to make the same impact either way. So if you're not invested in them, you're going to have a huge impact on them. If you are invested in them, you're going to have a huge impact in a positive way. So I could go home easily every day and say, I'm tired. I got to get a nap. Or you could just drink coffee or an energy drink or whatever and, and have a second half of your day and make that part of their day the most memorable for your kids. And that's always a challenge when you're really tired. So a lot of things I could probably say, but those stick out. In the ups and downs of collegiate football, how have you been able to kind of maintain that connection with your wife and your family and grow that part of your life while still excelling at your professional life? Yeah, luckily, my wife and I have been together since the first internship I had. So she kind of knew how it was going to be since day one. And if you don't have like a an amazing wife that understands, it's going to be pretty challenging in my opinion, because I mean, she does everything. She's the person who raises our kids and she teaches them everything. She takes them to school. She gets them back. I mean, like I, I look at what I do actually at home and it's laughable. And she's just been my rock this whole way. And I mean, she's still the number one accomplishment I've ever made in life. And I just think, there is no balance if you don't have a good wife. If you're a guy going after a dream, I've known a lot of guys personally that have gotten that dream stopped because their wife couldn't handle it. And I'm just lucky. Honestly, I don't know the balance of it because I want to do a great job at my job. Now, when I'm the head strength coach, I can make my schedule pretty much. I try to get it all in in the morning as early as possible so I can be gone by two o'clock and still have half the day with my kids and family and so that, that's the only advice I have. But man, when you're assistant, GA, intern, grinding, trying to make it, that's a different story. You don't have a schedule to report back to your wife. You don't know when you're going to be home. <laughs> it's hard. When you mentioned in your story about taking those free internships 
what did you learn and what advice would you give people about sometimes you got to put yourself out there without the pay and you got to go after that open door opportunity because that open door, even if it's free, may open up other doors. Talk to me about that. You know, you made the decision to take free internships as a way to level up your career to create opportunity for you. Yep. I think they're the two most valuable things I ever did because the two guys I did them for, I respected so much and I just wanted to do a good job for. I think when you try to do a great job for great people, great things will happen. And that's what it was. We had an intern class of 15, my first internship. So how was I ever going to stand out? You know, that, that was my first thought. And then how is this guy ever going to want to reference me over anyone else here for an open job somewhere? So I just tried to narrow that overwhelming thought process and just go to work every day and just do my part and give energy when it was time. And, you know, I probably stood out because I worked out with the players at the nine o'clock lift group. I did that and I coached the next three. So maybe that stuck out. But at the end of the day, if you're not truly thankful, if you're not truly humble, if you're not truly starving to ask questions and get better, it's going to be a long road because there's a lot of people that can help you that won't if you're not humble and if you don't care and if you're late and if you're not early, if you don't stay, all that stuff that I always talk about, it's so true because you're not going to get anywhere if you're not willing to sacrifice for it. Was there anything, Lewis, in your life that pivoted you to that commitment to always growing yourself, developing yourself? Was that always innately in you? Was there somebody who inspired you in your journey that kind of drilled that down in your mind that I'm never going to settle for average. I'm always going to keep moving forward. Has that always been a part of your mindset and life approach? I don't think it was early on in high school. Like I need to work. Like if I look back on, like if I could have told myself something, I, I would have had a lot to say because I always thought growing up, I could be a football player off the field too. And that got me in a lot of trouble. I was doing things that I'm not proud of at all, but I feel like too, like parents with kids now, because I'm, I got an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, a two-year-old. I feel like when they put so much pressure on their kids to like drill in something, their kids are going to shut down. And I don't think my parents forced too much stuff on me. So I had to like figure out all this stuff kind of the hard way. And what I really wanted to do, I did. And that's when I started at towards the end of high school, going to the open field by myself and running and doing all this footwork drills. And, and that's where it kind of clicked. I'm like, I got I to gotta get rid of this whole other lifestyle and get focused on this lifestyle if I ever want to make anything happen. What would you want to tell somebody who's kind of stuck in that valley of decision that really needs to decide, like, what do you actually want with your life? I'd say if life was going to end soon, what would you be proud of to say you were doing? You know, and, and if that's not the answer, then don't do that. Because there's just too much. You don't know what's coming. Like you can't predict tomorrow. You can't predict what happens today. But you can predict your intention on doing something that you truly love. And if you follow your heart, that's it. That's your answer. Like you might make more money doing something that you're not happy at. But you might love and be really happy making a little less money, but your heart's full. And that's so much more valuable and so much more healthy than you just making a couple extra bucks. You know, it's been tempting at times too, where, you know, you could do this and you can make that, but is that going to fill your soul? Is that going to make you who you are? 
Lewis, do you have any stories of that have just inspired you of either recruited athletes or walk-ons at Georgia Tech? Absolutely. And I just posted about it because there's a kid that just signed with the Green Bay Packers and he was a walk-on offensive lineman here. Nothing, like didn't look like anything. And then he's like, coach, I think I want to play tight end. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, he's not very tall either, but he lost 60 pounds and he transformed his body into a carved like machine and his work ethic took off. And, you know, he's at some point he's playing tight end in our game. And then he got a scholarship and it was like, he's a lifter of the year for me in the weight room. And now he just signed with the Packers for a, a long snapping job. He didn't long snap for us. He just said, no, that's my chance in. So I'm going to learn how to do it. And he did it and he got a tryout and he made it. So I'm like, I'm just amazed by that story. And it just happened. It's just like yesterday. What do you think about when you hear that word great leader? What does that mean to you? I think a great leader is someone that holds himself to such a high standard. So he has the ground to stand on to hold someone else accountable. And too many times, I think a lot of people think that leadership is just going to happen when they're a little bit older or when they're in a program and they're a senior. Leadership has no age. It doesn't care. If you want to lead, your work ethic and investment and care level have to have your back. And I think that's with anything. I mean, it's, I'm not going to listen to the coach that's screaming at me because of his ego that could never do what he's telling me to do. I just can't listen to people like that. And that's my goal. I'm, I'm going to hold people accountable because I hold myself accountable. I'm going to tell people that they got to do this because I already do that. And if you're not the example, I just think it, you shouldn't talk. Mm. That's my opinion. What would you think about as far as like the message that you would want to share with the world if all that content you had was gone? Yeah, I think a lot of it sums up into lazy people do a little work and think they should be winning. And winners work as hard as possible and still worry if they're being lazy because you see it everywhere now. That's why so many people relate to that message because there's people that just want to show up when it's time to show up and they think they're going to win. And maybe they might win. It shoots. So there's talented dudes everywhere. They might win at first, but they're not built to win for a long time. And I think the guys that are real winners in this world are constantly paranoid about their own work ethic. You know, am I doing enough? You know, am I doing more than the guy that I'm going against? But the lazy people, they're, they're going to show up, do a little bit of work and expect to win and want everything that you have. That's the main message. Do you find that mental roadblock with a lot of athletes, Lewis, where people think, well, that guy's just built different. I'm just going to settle for what's average because I'm not built like that other person. Yeah. You keep giving yourself an excuse on, you know, why you can't achieve something great too. And that bothers me the most because... I still can't take a break on my vacations of working out. Like maybe I'm messed up, but like if I go on a honeymoon on a cruise, I will be in that gym at 6 a.m. before my wife wakes up and I'll be back in bed before she knows I left because it's important to me. I have for me to enjoy things. I have to stay committed to what I said I was committed to. And does that make me built different? Maybe to some people, but I think of it as I just care a lot. And I think that's where people get lost, where like, look, you can make as many excuses as you want, but if it's not very important to you, you're just going to settle. And I think that's where a lot of kids fall these days. They settle because they see someone else with incredible discipline, work ethic and talent, and then they take off. But there's too many talented guys out there right now that settle 
and get beat out by the guy that wasn't as talented but has incredible discipline and work ethic and toughness. Somebody's thinking in the next 24 hours, I want to level up. Like I want to actually take a practical step toward my potential, toward my greatness in the next 24 hours. What would you recommend, Lewis, that somebody could do in the next 24 hours? I think make time for yourself. Like you need to make time for yourself alone. Not with anyone else. Don't have to talk to anyone. You don't got to do anything with that. You don't got to feel pressure. You don't got to get a phone call or a text. Make time for yourself. And that could be writing. That could be reading. That could be walking, listening to music. That could be riding a bike. That could be running a stadium in the pitch dark. That could be working out when no one's in the weight room and it's just you in the gym. It could be anything, but you need your own time to get your sanity back from the stressors of the day. And, and that's my, my number one advice to anyone for health. Just get away from the noise for just maybe an hour every day. And you watch how productive you start being in that hour and how much more alert you feel throughout the day because not as many things bug you anymore. And there's people calling me all the time and bugging, hey, we got to meet over here. Hey, uh, this guy needs this. All right, I'm okay with all of it if I get my alone time before it all even happens. When you're selfish at unselfish times, it ends up being that you become more selfless to others throughout the whole day. Like you got to be selfish at unselfish times and that makes you selfless. Lewis, I love it. Thank you so much. Oh yeah. Thank you very much. Appreciate all you do. You know, you got a great thing going and I, I checked out your page and just keep doing what you're doing, man. It's good stuff. I hope this episode with Lewis impacted and inspired you. Send me a DM and let me know. I read every message that comes in and make sure you follow Lewis on all of his social media platforms. He shares some great content. Make sure you screenshot this episode, share it with somebody and post it to your social media accounts. Again, don't forget to tag me so I can give you a repost. I know there is someone who you know who needs to hear this episode. Thanks for sharing, subscribing, and rating the podcast. Seriously, that means the world to me. Look for new episodes to release every month. You won't want to miss those. Thank you for taking the time to invest in yourself. You are worth it. Remember, the best time to rise and lead is now. 